Are you blown away by the personalities that came with your children? Some personalities mesh easier with our own than others. Today's guest, Karen Hall, experienced the joy of being a mother even as it challenged her to grow personally. She learned important ways to help her children regulate their own emotions and shares how we can handle tantrums so our children feel safe and understood. Some of the questions addressed today are, what is time out really? And what is time in? How do I respond to their big yucky feelings and words? And then what is the difference between validating a child versus validating the tantrum? Listen to Karen's wise advice in today's episode. You will walk away encouraged and have some ideas you can implement now to build a relationship that lasts a lifetime. So get your LaCroix and a notebook. This is one of those episodes where you may want to take notes. And so if you can't, be sure to bookmark it and subscribe or follow so you can find it later when you want to, because you'll want to. Does your child have a speech-language delay and you really want them to talk? Do difficult behaviors derail home life and you know the frustration is a communication struggle? Does your child see a speech therapist and you wonder, what do they do and how can I help? If these or similar questions are in your mind, this podcast is for you. Hello, my name is Dina Lynn Rosenbush. I am a speech-language pathologist that has worked with children from birth to 21 for three decades. And in my classrooms, I see you wanting to connect with the heart of your child, but their speech and language skills create a barrier. So if you have a kiddo that has difficult behaviors, needs to expand their language, or learn to say speech sounds, and maybe even receives speech therapy, stay tuned, because In this podcast, you will learn how to use your daily life as a tool to communication practice and how to do that practice. You will become confident knowing you are making the difference you want to make. And you will hear success stories of parents who have navigated these struggles already. We'll do this all while focusing on building deep, meaningful connection and confidence in your kiddo. So grab a cup of coffee, along with a notebook and pen. It's time to speak in the way your child's brain understands. And that is the language of play. We often talk about the importance of celebration here at the language of play. So today I decided to Google what celebrations happen today. So here we have it. It is Measure Your Feet Day, National Handwriting Day, National Pie Day, National Rhubarb Pie Day, Snowplow Mailbox Hockey Day, Speak Up and Succeed Day. There's everything we can celebrate. There's always something to celebrate, whether it's big or little or silly. See, Google says it. Let me know which of those celebrations you're going to be participating in and how you do it. I have a five-star review here from JoJo's Livin'. She writes great info and says, Such great info. I can see how valuable this is to communicate better with your kids. Thank you, JoJo's Livin'. And if you 
Listeners are looking for ways to help your child communicate better, and you want help with that. If you've been waiting for them to spontaneously learn over time, and you're ready now to step in to teach the skills that they need, contact me at hello at thelanguageofplay.com or schedule an appointment to talk about what is going on. The links are in the show notes below. Now let's get on with today's episode. Today we have an expert speaker with us today. Her name is Karen Hall. She is trained under the renowned Marianne Williamson, a certified spiritual life coach. She is an author, speaker, CEO, and host of the Hero Within podcast. Karen's podcast, The Hero Within, is ranked in the top 3% globally. Parent empowers women to remove resentment, to find hope and healing, and to return to love. She says of her life mission, If I can help others not suffer as I have, my suffering will not have been in vain. She's married to her husband, Joshua, of 37 years. They have four children and five grandchildren. Karen, welcome to the Language of Play. I am so glad to talk with you today. I want to hear a little bit about your hero within. About my podcast or about oh, what I chose about the name? you. Well, you can, <laughs> you can mention your podcast too. The Hero Within, like I know my title, The Language of Play, came from my history. How did yeah. The Hero Within come from you? Well, I believe that we all came to earth with an inner wisdom and that as we're going through life, that many times we're searching for answers, we're you know, looking for that guru that could teach us that thing. And there are a lot of people that can teach us along the way. But I really believe that when we're quiet and when we're prayerful or when we're, um, you know, seeking the, our, our higher source to, to provide us that information, I really believe that we can be enlightened because we, we came with light and I believe that we have the answers within us. But many times we don't stop and pause and really connect with ourselves and, and even just feeling somatically, does, our, does it feel aligned with us in our body? And, and our body can give us messages to help us know, you know, what to do as well. So I feel like we all have, a, you know, a, a higher self within us. And I feel like we all have wisdom within us that we can use to help us to be our higher self here and, and in difficult situations. I love it. So each of us have our own hero. Yeah, we're all, we're all a hero and <laughs> we're, all, we're all a hero in different scenarios at different times, but, but we all are a hero. Ah, nice. Very nice. Now you have four children and five grandchildren, which definitely means that you are an expert in parenting. <laughs> well, not necessarily. <laughs> Maybe not on specific topics like speech pathology or psychology or behavior, you know, something like that. But I know you know a thing or two about raising kids. What was one of the best joys you had along the way in raising your kids? Well, one of the one of the most interesting things that happened to me was um, when I had my first daughter and people told me all these horror stories about getting pregnant and your life's going to be over. It's the night times are going to be awful. You won't be able to sleep, blah, blah, blah. And I just heard all these terrible things about um, how hard it was to have a child and how I was, how I was going to suffer. <laughs> it was just, so it took a lot of faith for me to get pregnant and to have my first child. And I was very prayerful about it. And, um, and the joy that I felt 
when I conceived. It was just unbelievable. I felt my daughter with me and I felt her personality. All four of my kids, I felt their personality before they were born and I knew who they were. I knew their their name. I knew their what sex they were. Many times they couldn't figure it out, you know, on this on the whatever those sonogram things are. But anyway, I um after she was born and um and when her eyes could track and she could see me she would follow me wherever I went. And I was blown away at the joy of having a child and the joy of knowing that she adored me. I mean, I was everything to her. And I had no idea of the joy that being a mother was going to bring to me. I, my mom liked being a mother and, and she was a full-time mom. So I had that perspective, but she also said there were a lot of things that were really hard. And so I just didn't quite, of course, you can't understand something totally until you experience it. And so experiencing the joy of being a mother has been my greatest joy in my whole life. And the thing that, the other thing that affected me so greatly was how much progress I made in my individual life because I wanted to be the best person I could. Now, I, I made lots of mistakes, but I'm a better person than I was before I ever had children. And so <laughs> that was, that was another surprising thing to me is how hard I worked and how motivated I was. And I'm still motivated with my married children and my grandchildren. I'm still motivated to, to learn and to be the best I can because I want them to have a good example. I want to help them learn what I learn. I teach them the things that I learn and I love sharing those things. So that's been another surprising thing for me. That's really so true. You said you became a better person because of having kids. When we are the people, and anybody listening to this podcast, you're that kind of person. You listen, you try to learn, you are doing the best you can, you are growing and being the best you you can be because of these kids, for these kids, but also because it's part of you, it's who you are. And so, yeah, you're speaking to people that think just like you in that. Now, one of the things that you do in your work is or you can help kids to regulate their nervous systems. You learned this, I bet, also while you were a mom. Tell us a little bit about how that came to be. So I, one of the things that I have worked on is in uh, regulating my own nervous system. <laughs> I, was I suppose you had come out of the suffering idea. So yeah. yeah so I was born um, two and a half months premature. And that was a challenge for me in my life was learning to regulate my own nervous system. And so I, I noticed things that made a big difference to me. And so then I used those things with my children. And it made a huge difference with my children as well. And so I was really surprised. I have four very strong-willed children. I have some neurodiversity in our family. And um, so it was interesting because each child was very different. And and I was that was another thing that's, that shocked me, you know, when people would say, well, your child's acting like that because of the way you raised them. I'd be like, are you kidding? This child came with his personality. <laughs> and they all came and, in the same household with the same rules. <laughs> yes, the same household, the same, the same mom, <laughs> same genetics. You know, I'm not totally the same genetics, but the same mom and dad, you know, contributed mm -hmm. the DNA. And I was blown away at the personalities that, that came with each of my children. And so I, when I was young, um, my father is a child psychologist, not a child psychologist, he's a psychologist, but he worked with children mostly. And, um, and he would notice things about me. I love to babysit and I love children. And he said, you have a gift with children. You need to be a child psychologist. But I thought, oh my goodness, it takes forever to become a child psychologist. I don't want to go to school that long. 
because <laughs> I was paying for it myself and I thought I'll be broke. Anyway, I ended up going to school that long and I was broke, <laughs> but, but I became a life coach and I did not, I did not end up becoming a child psychologist, but I do love working with children and I love working with parents with their children. And so I remember when, um, I, my dad had said to me how important, um, one of the gifts that I have is touch. I, I love to, I just can't help myself. I love to hug people. I touch their arm. I just, I just reach out to people physically and connect with them. And so I, um, I have noticed that that touch is a very important way of connecting, you know, and helping my children to regulate their emotions. As soon as I touch them, those, those emotions start to de-escalate. And, and even if they're having a tantrum, now there are times when I did tell my child I have a tantrum by themselves because they they just need a little bit more space. You know, to yeah, occasionally that. they'll lash out for a touch and they're not a little bit calmer. Yeah, yeah, that can be very challenging. But um, but anyway, so I so what that came to was in in my day when I was raising my kids, timeout was very um, you know just everybody talked about. It. That's the, that's the the number one thing you need to do with your children. And I, and I realized as I was putting my children in timeout, it didn't totally resonate with me. And I realized that in my opinion, timeout is more for the parent or the child who is totally dysregulated, but it's usually more for the parent to be able to regulate themselves. And many times it's the mother that needs to be in timeout, but you know, that's not always safe to have the children all running around. So. So sometimes the children have to be in timeout or, you know, have a little space from the mom. So the mom can, or the, whoever the caregiver is, can have a little, a little bit of time to, to regulate their own emotions. So I, but I remember as I was praying about this and I was reading in the scriptures and, and, um, and I read about how Jesus called the children to him and the answer came to me, you need to have time in, not time out. And I was like, Ooh, oh my goodness. And so I would bring, and I didn't always do it, but I would bring my children to me and I would hold them. I had one child that was extremely strong-willed, very feisty mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, and hated to be controlled and had siblings that were trying to control this child. And so I would bring that child to me and I would put my arm around that child and I would say, tell me more, tell me how you feel, tell me why you feel that way. And, and just I would just let them just pour out how angry they were. And how, oh, they were just like this fiery little personality. Mm -hmm. um, and as they did that, I watched them. It was the touch and then being open and, and being safe to be able to tell me everything that they, that they thought and felt. And you um, created a space to hold all of those emotions, didn't you? So that yeah. they would be able to dump out all of the excess that they didn't want and they could just get up all of the stuff and yeah. then yeah but you were a container to hold it because it was too much for them to hold right right and and many times the emotions were so big <laughs> yeah. that and 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 sometimes people get scared when when a person is having a very strong reaction like that and I would say that to this child I would say I can see that you're having a very strong reaction tell me more you know, about that. Well, what's, what are you thinking? You know, and, and that kind of thing. And um, I have to say, I love it, that you lean in that way. That's so it, important for our kids, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And what's amazing to me is that that child would say to me all the time, you're the only one that understands me in the whole family. Nobody else understands because everybody else was trying to get this child to stop having that reaction. And uh -huh. I was 
drawing out from that reaction. And now that child's married and grown and, um, and they still tell me, you're the one who understands, you know, those strong reactions in me. And so I wanted to have such a strong bond with my children that they would feel safe and they would feel understood and they would feel that no matter what they felt and, and, and also no matter what they did, that I would still love them and that we could figure it out. And so I worked very hard to instill that in my children. If they, you know, if, I, if they told me something they did that, that was wrong, I would say, thank you for telling me. And my reaction, I tried very hard, not always, but I tried very <laughs> hard to praise them for telling me first. And then I would say, well, there needs to be a consequence and we'll have to figure that out. But, but thank you for telling me because I, I wanted them to feel safe that they could be open, you know, and share with me. So those were um, some of the first things that I did, but that, but that time in was one of the most crucial things because it has, as my children became teenagers, they still talked to me. And when they had very angry you know, outbursts or they felt frustrated or whatever, I, I I still conveyed to them that I loved them. I can remember it was really painful. I didn't hear it very often, but once in a while they would be just saying something really mean, like, I hate you, <laughs> you know, and I, and, and, oh, you know, it, oh, it just felt like a little spear, you know, but then I would think, wait, where's that coming from? And, and another thing that helped me was, um, this wasn't, this wasn't like common knowledge back then. But trying to understand, I, I learned that that the emotion that was usually expressed was a secondary emotion and that there was another emotion underneath it. And a lot of times anger is secondary to fear. And so to, to in my mind, to be curious. And so, you know, to, but the trick for me was to not get escalated when they were escalated. That's <laughs> so not to, easy. <laughs> yeah, to, to not get triggered and to not take on their emotion and um, if they felt shame, you know, to not feel shame myself or, or whatever, because as an empath, I, I, I could do that. But also as an empath, I could understand the feeling like, like we were, you know, I wanted to, I wanted them to be able to express their feeling. And I wanted to be able to understand that that was so important to me, because it's important to me when I can express my feeling. If I, I have loved when I have been in a conversation with someone, and I feel so safe, that I can just pour it all out. And that they can, they just love me no matter what. And, and then I gain clarity. And that's what I tried to provide, you know, for my children. And that's what I help my clients do in their parenting, you know, with, with their children. Because so many times we've had role model to us to fix it. You know, somebody was yeah. trying to fix us. Yep. They were trying to make it go away. And then, and then we automatically use certain phrases to do the same thing with our children. And so I, I try to help people recognize those things that they don't really realize and the impact of those things and then and then to, to reframe it into a way that can be more beneficial to their relationship so good so important so needed and when you say that you feel triggered by your children's feelings that is so common for all parents i think even if we're not an empath we still want so badly for goodness to come for our children with our children them to behave them to learn and grow and it seems like in our adult way of looking at it that if they're behaving in this way then they're understanding if they're behaving the right way and talking the right way they're growing and learning but it's really do you see this the opposite when they're falling apart 
is when they're really relationship building. It's when they're really growing and learning, when they've had these difficult experiences. So what I hear you say is that you're leaning into those hard times and you are helping them through those hard times to regulate their nervous system through through touch, through time in, and through letting them express those emotions. And when you when you do that, then you're changing the story. And that's when they're actually growing and, and getting better. Yeah, did I, I summarize was, pretty good? Yes, you did. And <laughs> okay. and what was what was so interesting to me was the impact of validation. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people when I teach them about validation, they're like, no, I'm not gonna validate that child having a temper tantrum, you know, because that'll just make it worse. And I'm like, you're not validating that they're having the tantrum, you're validating how they feel. And yeah. so that can be very confusing as a parent to, to think I'm condoning that thing, that awful thing that I disagree with and I don't want to have happening. But when my child was having a temper tantrum or, or this angry outburst, and I could say, you know, I let them tell me how they felt. And then I could say, I can see why you're angry. And I could, and I could verbalize to them how I understood that. It's one thing to say, oh, I see you're angry. Mm-hmm. I, that doesn't really work as well for me. I mean, it helps, but not very much. But if somebody can say why they understand it, then I'm like, ooh, you get me. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. So, so I tried to do that with my children. And that validation was was so amazing. And then they learned that that their feeling was valid, that they, they had a right to have that feeling. And then mm-hmm. they didn't feel shame for having that feeling. And that was something else that I worked on a lot was I didn't want my children to suffer. I, I wanted them to not feel shame. And and now I think that there's a place for recognizing that you've done something wrong and regretting it and, and working to be you know better and try harder. But I didn't want them to feel shame in, in their identity as a person, that they were a bad person. They just made a mistake and we can all learn from our mistakes and we can we can move forward. I once heard that guilt is the feeling of remorse because you did something wrong, but shame is feeling bad because of who you are. Right. That's Brene Brown that said that. Is that, that who and, said that? Yep. And it's so true. That and that is that's exactly, you know, how I feel. So yeah, I okay. agree. Thank you for identifying the author of that quote too. Because <laughs> I had written it down and I didn't have the name. But yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So when I think of the language of play, I think about play much like it sounds like you've been talking. So when your child is having that tamper tantrum or just having a bad day, you're going in with curiosity. You're asking questions. You're exploring where they're at. You're leaning in. Tell me more. And being quiet and listening, giving them an opportunity. This is the mindset that I call play here at the language of play, because I'm looking for what language do we use? And you're nailing it. This is the language we use. We get that frame of mind and we then we start to explore with our language. Tell me more what's happening. Mm-hmm. So if you were to think about yourself and when you are best in that mindset of play, that means you're curious, you're involved, you're imagining and all of the exploration that happens. When are you play? When I am at my very best is when I'm whole brained. <laughs> when you're when whole brained? Yes, when I'm whole brain and <laughs> I am emo- I'm emotionally regulated. I feel love in my heart and and I and I feel love for other people. When I feel love and I am love, that's when I am the most curious. And that 
is probably because I am the most childlike at that moment. Yeah. I'm not coming with judgment. I'm not coming with, you know, toward them or toward me. I'm, I'm accepting, I'm open, you know, to learn and, and I am, and I'm open to connection. And, and I feel like when, when you don't have love and that is blocking you in some way, then it blocks all those other avenues. You're blocked toward connection. You're blocked in your curiosity. You're blocked in your, in your ability to express, you know, as well. You're, you're blocked in your ability to validate. You're blocked in your ability to relate. And so the key for me is to, is to be love. Well said. Very well said. Thank you for joining us today on The Language of Play, Karen. So nice to have you here. And listeners, if you want to know more about Karen, you will find information in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on The Language of Play. It's just such a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you. Hey, parents. I hope you found this episode helpful. If so, would you please take 30 seconds and share it with a friend who also lives or works with children? I would really appreciate it if you would leave a quick review for the show on Apple Podcasts. I read every review and it lights me up to know that this show is making a difference. Then come join my Facebook community where you'll meet other parents who are dedicated to helping their children grow too. You'll find the link in the show notes. Thank you for joining me. Now it's time to go. Let's pop our kiddos in the strollers and go look around outdoors and see what we have to talk about.